This is WMWM 91.7 Salem, and you're listening to Soundplay, a new radio show that plays student audio work of all genres that were composed in courses across the university here at Salem State. I'm Tanya Rodriguez. I'm a professor in the English department, and today I'm your host. Today's show features three audio documentaries from undergraduate students in my audio storytelling class this semester. The topics range from music to a cancer diagnosis to fashion. We'll also hear some audio from our youngest community members here at Salem State, the preschoolers, who range in age from two to five years old. I'll begin and end today's show with some lovely holiday songs they recorded especially for sound play. So here's a bit of holiday cheer from the SSC Preschool. documentary is composed by Patrick Garland. Patrick is a senior who will be graduating this year with a degree in economics. He's been commuting upwards of an hour and a half to school this year, so his favorite way to kill time is listening to music and podcasts. Some of his favorite podcasts include Malcolm Gladwell's Revisionist History, The Ringer NBA Show, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History, and The Joe Rogan Experience. When he's in the Salem area, folks can probably find him at the Anchor Bar, enjoying a few pints with friends or playing pickup frisbee in Ipswich. His documentary, entitled Big Mac Raps, is inspired by Malcolm Gladwell's revisionist history. As a big fan of hip-hop, Patrick loves hearing stories about people in the music industry, about their mistakes and their successes. He says people can really learn a lot from listening to these kinds of stories. In his documentary, he tells this kind of story. Here's Big Mac Raps. Are you able to recite the McDonald's jingle? I'm sure just mentioning it, the majority of you can. This jingle for many is a reminder of childhood. Now when I hear it, I can remember the times when I would bother my mother to pull over so we could grab a kid's meal. When she would finally give in, God bless her, I would hope that I would score the Happy Meal toy that I wanted, you know, probably seeing it on a commercial that previous night. There are so few sounds that can remind me of the past so quickly. So how does a company like McDonald's pull this off? They are a global food franchise that embodies to many as the better days. Prisoners who have been sentenced to death often request McDonald's as their last meal. Prime rib, lobster, foie gras, for heaven's sake a burrito bowl from Chipotle is a better quality meal than McDonald's. It is neither the quality nor convenience then that is so appealing about McDonald's. It has to be the brand itself. Well then, how does McDonald's get a theme song like this? Did McDonald's pump money into a world-renowned marketing firm with hopes that they would create this Pied Piper of a tune? 
Did they seek out a person who has dedicated their life to jingles? Or did they have Ronald McDonald and the gang locked up until they could come up with a hit? No, it was none of those. It was a rapper from Virginia Beach named Pusha T. For those of you who don't know of Pusha T, I strongly recommend that you check out his discography. He's a rapper. Now what I want to discuss in this episode is Pusha T making the McDonald's jingle. But mainly, what allowed him to get this opportunity? This is Pusha T recounting him making the McDonald's jingle in a conversation on the Joe Budden podcast. Yo, did you really write the McDonald's jingle? Man? Listen, man, this is what happened. You was like, making gun noises, like, someone put an effect over it. You know, McDonald's uh, heard it. No, Steve, McDonald's no, no, heard no, 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 no. it. They they brought they brought this is this is around the Justin time and all that um, for the clips like mm-hmm. around yeah, that time. Um, Steve Stout basically brought us uh, brought us the whole idea of doing the McDonald's jingle. When when he brought it to us, he gave us the "I'm loving it," you know, uh, tagline. Tagline, yeah. And we basically just wrote to that. So you just wrote da 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 da. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, no. But you know, within that, um, you know, they just took pieces out, whatever the case may be. And I feel like McDonald's that. shouldn't have wanted to work with this guy. But it, it, but no, 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 no. And and Stephen Victor again. And they got over. Like they got over. Pay a one one time payout. Oof. So, the original jingle was created by Pusha T and Justin Timberlake. This first commercial has Pusha T rapping while JT sings the chorus. This commercial is so successful that the ba-da-ba-ba-ba beat and the I'm loving it catchphrase has been placed at the end of every McDonald's commercial since then. Okay, now how does Pusha T, a guy with no advertising experience, land a commercial of this magnitude? Well, to know that is to know Pusha T. Pusha T is a principled man. He is the epitome of a person that keeps it real. In an industry that is forever changing, he has remained the master of his craft, and his craft is cocaine raps. He is the king. Now there are legends in this field, rappers like Jeezy, Freddie Gibbs, and Cameron, but the difference is that Pusha T has this down to a science. He is not one to adapt to the times, but go deeper into the craft. His close friend Pharrell says it best on his podcast. Take a listen. And started working with a bunch of other producers. When you would listen to his music, do you think you saw other sides of him that maybe you didn't see when you were just working, you know, just hearing him on your beats? Of course. Of course. He just, he's a, to me, I, I feel like some people like become chameleons over different beats, but to me, he just like what he is becomes deeper. If that makes any sense. Numbers on the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just want to just thank you, sir. Put mm-hmm. that out there. You just you look and you're just like, wow. It's like he's he, he just has his own like world that just continues to get just deeper and deeper and mm-hmm. deeper. And I'm like, man, like, what do you find those metaphors, bro? Like, he rhymes so much better than me. He always has, but... What Pharrell says rings so true to Pusha. Even Pusha T acknowledges this. Here's his thoughts on his craft in the Drink Champs podcast. You know, it's... um, What people need to realize, as far as I go, is... Okay. I, I never want to make their records. Mm. Like... You know, if you look at my career, I've made the same record my whole career. Right, right. I've made the same album 
basically my whole career. I've right. talked about the same thing my whole career. Period. Yeah, you're not right. chasing a trend or chasing a I'm not chasing a, a, a trend. Vibe. I'm not yeah. chasing radio. I'm not chasing right. nothing. So when people say that, it's sort of funny to me because it's like, man, my record's still going to be about the streets. Right. It's still going to be about, you know, uh, you know, just how, you know, my perspective and my point of view mm. from a street perspective. Right. Mm. Um, it's still going to be, you know, drugs is going to be the, 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 uh, the, the common thread, mm -hmm. you know, and it's still going to be lyrical. It's still going to be, you know, you're going to have the metaphors and the parallels. I'm going to still put it together right. how, we, how we put it together. Pusha T is a rap icon and has gained infamy by sharpening his craft and time and time again adding more depth to it. McDonald's used him for his artistic creativity to craft this genius commercial and that's what is important. A man from Virginia Beach who eloquently raps about cocaine was given the opportunity to make a commercial for McDonald's. McDonald's cared about his input because he had earned a name in the industry. He was given a seat at the table. Now I've been thinking about this a lot recently, and I go back to Pusha T as an example often. Pusha T in his career has branched out and started clothing lines, created commercials for various companies, and is now the president of a record label. He has this platform because of his mastery of one skill, his rapping. It seems like that in order to have a platform like this, one that allows you to venture through different avenues with either the same or greater success, you first need to have that one thing that makes you, you. It's like a tree. The tree trunk is the skill that you have mastered that has brought you the recognition and initial success, while the branches of the tree are the new opportunities that have sprouted because of it. Sometimes those branches grow and make the tree taller and more massive, and sometimes those branches fall to the ground. Yet all the while, what stands mighty throughout is the tree trunk. This podcast is brought to you by me, Patrick Garland, with inspiration from Malcolm Gladwell's revisionist history. I want to shout out the Joe Budden podcast, Other Tone, and the Drink Champs podcast for providing me with content for this episode. Thank you to the listeners. I really appreciate the listen. I'm loving it. You know you're my world. How could I mind love taps from my girl? Our second documentary is composed by Savannah Colosi. Savannah is a junior at Salem State and is studying to be a high school English teacher. Two years ago, she moved to Haverhill, Massachusetts with her father to help out after he was diagnosed with leukemia. He received treatment and was sent into remission. With a 20% chance of it ever coming back, Savannah's family were all very surprised to find that it had in fact returned this past fall. Savannah says she produced this documentary as a way to cope with the news and to document something that was personal and relevant to her life at the time she took my course. Here is her documentary entitled, A Bump in the Road. Well, the hardest part is, I almost feel like I let everyone down, even though it's not my fault, but um, the 
treatment options are extremely positive. So I'm just considering this a um, bump right now. So let me just, uh, so now we are doing this, and this, uh, this is a mutation analysis panel that tells us um, what kind of mutation led to leukemia development. And this also tells us which one we have to immediately take people to transplant, which one we can try um, chemotherapy alone. So prior testing did show that you could be, you could be fine, you know, you have 80% chance that it's not going to come back. Right. cut it at a very low stage compared to the original time which was insanely high. Taking to transplant now, like today, is like really failure because the transplant takes three, four months to start, you know, the graft being potent enough that can protect you. But in the meantime, the leukemia is growing, you know what I mean? So that's why we have to get you to remission. I mean, financially, we're going to be okay. So. anything right now, they won't let me do anything right now. Maybe in a few, a few days I will, but... It is a lot, because I don't think any, you know, I mean, you included, including your doctors, nobody really expected this, so... Right. You know, the absorption period is different for everybody, and more information might help you absorb better and not worry because you know what you have to do you know where to direct your energy but for daddy daddy just needs to be here today All that stuff, that's all you have to do. You just have to get better. The rest of it we do. There's so many things you don't think about, you know what I mean? You just, you just don't, you really don't realize, for me anyway, until something like this happens, like really what your immune system does how freaking unbelievable it is. I know. You just take it for granted. It's like going, going and watch, watch that heart <laughs> echo. What is it? The heart echo I did the other day. Yeah, yeah. And I'm watching it on the screen and watching my heart do all this stuff. I'm like, wow, that is freaking complicated as hell. Yeah. Yeah. To just keep doing what it's doing yeah. over and over and over and over yeah. and over and over again. That first treatment I had when I was in there for like almost six weeks. 
that was much. When you could see the light at the end of the tunnel, you were okay. Watching numbers go up, watch things get better. That's the important part. my dog yeah very much as much as he'll miss me so I'm just considering this a um, bump right now we have to stop for a few moments for some messages hey this is Dan Finnerty from the Dan Band you're listening to WMWM 91.7 fucking Salem Coffee Time has been a family-owned and operated bakery since 1978. They offer scratch-made pies and scones, and now through Thanksgiving, apple cider donuts and pumpkin cheesecake. Grab a fresh cup of coffee or real hot chocolate milk to go with your favorite treat. Coffee Time, setting the standard for homemade baked goods right here in Salem. Coffee Time, 96 Bridge Street, Route 1A in Salem. Our last documentary is composed by Chris Monson, Chris is a junior at SSU, majoring in communications and concentrating in advertising. On campus, he is an admissions ambassador and the vice president of Active Minds. He also plays on an intramural volleyball team. His documentary, entitled The Sounds of Fashion, follows three generations of women and how fashion has changed over time. On April 12, 1917, a little girl was born. That little girl was named Mindy. And this is the story of how fashion changed throughout not only Mindy's life, but also the life of her daughter and granddaughter. America at war. World War II began September 1st, 1939. Mindy was 22 years old. In December of 1941, the United States began seeking single women aged between 20 and 30 to employ in factories to build munitions, ships, and airplanes. As a single 24-year-old woman, Mindy fit right into this category and soon found herself supporting the war efforts. God bless America. During this time, the way women dressed underwent a dramatic change. It was fashion on a ration as nylon and wool, both staples in the way clothes were made, were needed by the military. And after the attack on Pearl Harbor, Japanese silk was banned in the United States. So, I'm sure you're wondering, what do women use to make their clothes? Well, that's simple. The answer was rayon. A synthetic fabric developed in the 1930s. Paris lost its grip on the fashion industry, and New York gained the upper hand. Many materials that we wear regularly, such as denim, cotton, gingham, and jersey, we used to create comfortable clothes for daily wear. Rayon was still the fabric of choice, though, did not bend or crease, and could be made into both light and heavyweight garments. There wasn't much color in the average woman's wardrobe during this time. The colors often used were very patriotic, such as Air Force Blue, Cadet Blue, Flag Red, Aside from these 4th of July colors, 
Blacks, browns, greens, and different shades of tan were also common. The colors used in fashion during this time were very America is at war chic. On any given day, Minty would either be dressed as a walking American flag or in drab colors, almost as if she was mourning the death of any excitement in her wardrobe. Legs, 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 legs. During this period of rationing and making do, Materials to make clothing slowly but surely started running out. <gasps> New restrictions on how much fabric could be used to create clothes were established, and with less fabric came shorter hemlines <laughs> and garments with narrow hips. I'm sorry, what? Sorry. Short and boxy garments grew in popularity due to these restrictions, and this meant women could use these fabric restrictions to flaunt what their mamas gave them. Seriously? You could also consider this time period the era of the legs, because once those legs started showing, fashion was never going to be the same. But, while legs were flaunted during this period, we also saw pants become an important staple in any working woman's closet. Not only being used in the factory, women also began wearing pants for casual wear and for working around the house. Stockings once made of silk turned into stockings of nylon, with bobby socks becoming popular in younger women. Mindy now 24, is stepping out for a date tonight. It's a beautiful July evening, and she is wearing a dress with a hemline just below her knee. Sorry I was late. That's okay, baby. Mindy doesn't know it yet, but the man she's going on a date with will become her husband in a few years. Will you marry me? <gasps> yes! And just like her relationship status, the status of fashion was also going to change. The end of the war. 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 And the end. End the war. End. End. End war. 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 End war. War. End the war. 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 This concludes our broadcast day. Good night and God bless America. The ending of the war did not cause immediate change in women's fashion. Clothing rations and fabric restrictions were still in place as the U.S. economy mended from the war efforts. We did see a change in what colors were used in fashion. New colors such as terracotta and turquoise began popping up in clothing, as well as exotic floral prints that stemmed from the growing consciousness Americans had about other God countries. Bless Both these bright new colors and fun prints can be attributed to Mexican and Latin American doing. God bless America. America, America, America. In 1947, the way that women accentuated their figures changed. Unfortunately for Mindy, she had a little bit of a wait before she could throw on a new Christian Dior inspired dress with an hourglass look. Because in the past few years, Mindy had gotten married. and then pregnant with a baby girl. On September 7th, 1947, Mindy gave birth to a healthy daughter that she decided to name Elizabeth. Now that we follow Mindy's life, let's let her rest for a little bit and turn our attention to the way fashion changed during Elizabeth's life. Liz, Elizabeth, Liz, Elizabeth. 
The way Elizabeth, let's call her Liz for short, dressed when she was old enough to appreciate fashion was different from the way her mother once dressed. Liz was a teenager who grew up during the 1960s. Fashion icons ranged between Jackie Kennedy, who had a clean, simple, and well-fitted sense of style, to Bridget Bardot, who was bold and silly with how she dressed. <laughs> Bardot's 1959 pink gingham wedding dress with white lace trim was unexpected, what? but also quickly made gingham and lace the new trend. A cultural phenomenon known as youthquake is what shaped the fashion of the 1960s youth. Women wanted to wear oversized collars, bows, mini dresses that did not accentuate their form. Full skirts and tight bodices from the 1950s were still in fashion until 1963, when loose and shapeless dresses known as shift dresses came into style. Shift dresses were casual wear for being at home, running some errands or going to the beach. But these dresses were not office friendly, as they were too short. Oh no! Sorry, not sorry! These short dresses were seen as a sign of a woman's sexual liberation. How short a woman wore her dress was seen as how confident she was. But don't mistake sexual liberation for sexual desire. Women wore short skirts and dresses during this time not to attract the sexual interest of men, but to give the power back to women and for her to decide if a man's attention was what she wanted. Sexual power conveyed through fashion. Colors and prints in fashion were inspired by the pop art and modern art movements. This was fine with Liz, because she absolutely loved wearing polka dots. Hey man, that's groovy. Groovy. That's groovy. 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 Liz, now a woman in her 20s, embrace this new hippie style. Bell bottoms, fitted tops, and even Liz's love for polka dots was quickly replaced for a new pattern. <gasps> Tie-dye. Unfortunately, these trends didn't stay in style for very long. A new casual, everyday style emerged from the groovy trends of the early 70s. But when we get towards the end of this decade, we see just how groovy fashion can get. Tube tops, sequins, spandex, high slits, platform boots. When I say these things, you probably think of those outfits your mom wore in pictures when she used to be cool. Hey! Little did Liz know, her future daughter would be looking at photos of her wearing a tube top with tight jeans and thinking how cool she used to be. But, we're not there yet, so let's backtrack. Liz was living life to its fullest when she was 25, right in the middle of the 70s. Liz found true love at 26. I love you. 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 And was married by the time she was 28. While some big changes occurred in Liz's life, big changes also occurred in fashion during this time. When she went on her first date with her eventual husband in 1973, Liz wore tight-fitting pants with a metallic top. Her hair was as big as her aspirations and makeup as bold as she was. And now past her hippie days, Liz was wearing a more natural, bohemian-inspired makeup look. Liz and her husband knew they were in love, so just a few months after their engagement, they were married in 1976. On the night of her wedding, Liz looked radiant in a white dress with a strapless, fitted bodice and flowing skirt with lace detail. Now a married woman in the late 70s, 
Liz never stopped following fashion trends. Her and her husband began listening to a genre of music that they both love and bonded over, punk rock. Because they love punk rock so much, they even started dressing like their favorite singers. Liz cut her long hair into a choppy, more rebellious look, and black quickly became her favorite color to wear. Goodbye tie-dye, so long polka dots, hello punk rock. Liz still loved her miniskirts, but now paired them with fishnet stockings. Liz's makeup also changed, with her makeup style evolving from natural to more of a rock and roll style. She wore a pale foundation and dark red lips. So, when Liz and her husband decided they wanted to have children in 1978, they were so excited to find out they'd be having a daughter. And on February 22nd, 1979, Liz gave birth to a healthy little girl that she named Stacy. Hey Stacy, it's me. Uh, I was just calling to say that I think you're pretty dope. Yeah. Because Stacy was born at the tail end of the 70s, she wasn't really old enough to grasp the fashion trends of the 80s. However, in the late 90s, when Stacy became old enough to start making her own fashion decisions, you already know she always kept it poppin'. Stacy, now 16, was inspired by her parents' own punk rock style from when she was younger. She went for a more grunge look in those high school years, wearing flannels, wide-legged pants, and even sometimes overalls. She may have graduated college in 2001, but that accomplishment was quickly overshadowed by the purchase of her first hot pink Juicy Couture tracksuit. If Madonna could rock it, so could Stacy. Stacy soon found that these tracksuits, paired with shimmery pink lip gloss, made her feel almost unstoppable. But Stacy's fashion wasn't just limited to tracksuits and lip gloss. Low-rise jeans were also a go-to in Stacy's closet. And if those jeans had rhinestones on the back pockets, you already know she was all over them. Oh, I know, right? Stacy often paired these low-rise rhinestone jeans with peasant tops, which are loose, flowing shirts. Taking some inspiration from her mom, she also wore the occasional halter top, which were revived in the early 2000s. Stacy also had a head filled with chunky blonde highlights. When Stacy was going out with her girls, she sometimes wore micro mini skirts, which were low-waisted skirts with a hem at your upper thigh. Stacy even wore a dress over a pair of jeans once, but quickly decided that fashion trend wasn't for her and vowed to never wear it ever again. In 2005, after going out to a bar wearing an all-denim ensemble, Stacy's eye was caught by a man who she swore could have been Justin Timberlake's long-lost brother. It was love at first sight, and she was married in 2008 when she was 29 years old. She even considered wearing an all-denim dress, much like Britney Spears once had. Stacy traded in her Juicy Couture sweatsuits for maternity wear when in 2011 she got pregnant. The same year she gave birth to a set of twins, one boy and one girl. She named those twins Anna and Vincent. It's 2018 and those twins are seven now. 
I'm sure you're wondering how fashion is going to change throughout the course of their life, but to answer that question, we'll have to catch up with them in a few years. This concludes our broadcast day. Good night, and God bless America. Again, that was Chris Monson and The Sounds of Fashion. Next, we have some more tunes from our talented preschoolers. to give a special shout out to my four-year-old son, Aiden Daly, who really likes to sing Frosty the Snowman, but really, really loves to sing Uptown Funk. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in early next semester for another show. The day and time is to be announced. Happy holidays. Happy Salem State University Radio. They must pay us millions to stop broadcasting. WMWM Salem, 91.7 FM and WMWMonline.com. I didn't want to talk. She just sat with me. That was all I really needed. We got back. One day he called me out of the blue. And it's comforting to know that I always encountered him to have my back. She called me from time to time. I really didn't think I needed any help. It took me from being really depressed to feeling like somebody cared to give me some hope. Just that one text. Be there. Your call. Your presence. Your words. Your support. Be there and help save a life. Learn more about preventing suicide at VeteransCrisisLine.net.
sent you hallelujah. Girl, I sent you hallelujah. Cause I'm tell punk, don't give it to you. Cause I'm tell punk, don't give it to you. Cause I'm tell punk, don't give it to you. Saturday night, we in the spot. Don't believe me, just watch. Up, 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 up